This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Get it started on a Tuesday edition of the program. It is Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon, and you heard it from big voice guy Julian McKenzie alongside Jay Mack. How we feeling, buddy? Feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty official. Oh, it's good to have you, Julian McKenzie. You know him. You love him. From The Athletic, covering your Calgary Flames. He's from the CJ Show, Yahoo Sports, OnlyFans, wherever you whoa, pitch your whoa, content. Whoa, 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 um, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Let's not get too hasty. I, I know times are tough in the world of media and journalism. I have not gone to that level of OnlyFans yet. I'm not ready to I'm not ready to take my talents to OnlyFans, okay? I'm, I'm holding out for a little bit longer before I have to do that. So, like, next week. Next week, I was hoping like at least another year and a bit. I was hoping for another year and a bit. Let me save some more money and and then maybe think about it. Fair. You can find him on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it this week at JKA McKenzie. But uh, if you're listening to this program, you probably already follow the man. Uh, Like I said, all things Calgary Flames for the athletic. You got a recent piece up that we'll get to soon, Julian. Because we got a banger of a show coming your way over the next three hours. How about some massive hockey news in August over the weekend? You love to see it. Thank you, Pittsburgh. Thank you, Montreal. Thank you, San Jose, for the Eric Carlson trade. We're going to dive into that in just moments. We'll also have Rob Rossi from The Athletic, funny enough, covering the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's going to join us later this hour. Give us the Penguins' perspective on this massive trade. Also, the Blue Jays are red hot. Davis Schneider might just be making a case for MVP late in the season. <laughs> we'll chat some Toronto Blue Jays. Well, we got giveaways for you as well. Shaw Charity Classic is right around the corner here in Calgary. Got a couple chances for you this week to win your way in to the Shaw Charity Classic at the Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club. We're looking forward to uh, hanging out there a couple of times, and hopefully we'll see you there with some giveaways uh, that we got coming up throughout the day. But, Julian, we got to kick things off, man. Yes, sir. Love to see it, especially in media. This is like, Don't get me wrong. July 1st is fun. The draft is fun. But we're in the dog days of summer right now. And when you get a trade as big as the one that we saw over the weekend between the Sharks, the Habs, and the Penguins, just makes me smile a little bit because it gives us some great content to work on the show. What was your immediate reaction, man, when you saw this go down? Because Friedman kind of gave everybody a heads up that, hey, they're going to push for this. I don't know if it's going to get done, but they're going to try. And they got it done. Yeah. I was uh, looking at Friedman's Twitter, uh, Rossi and, and Josh Yohe, uh, the athletics reps in uh, Pittsburgh, seemed like uh, they were on the stakeout for something ahead of that weekend. So it's not as if it came as a complete surprise 
But I can imagine there are people who are taking the weekend off. They're going up to, you know, the cottage or the cabin or the chalet or however you guys want to call it. You guys rent up these Airbnbs up north. You just hang out and have these parties, whatever you want to do. I imagine, like, for, for, for regular people like us who might just be not doing anything, just chilling on the couch, you know, you just, you're just you just minding your own business. Then you wake up on a Sunday morning. You're like, huh, oh, okay, this is happening. Literally, I was in bed on the Sunday morning when yeah. it was announced. And then I woke up and I saw the update from Friedman that it was going down. I thought, oh, okay, all right. So we know what the conversation is going to be like on the Sunday and then the Monday and since technically what Monday was a holiday. Yeah, that's true. Still getting used to the non Quebec holidays. Fair enough. Yeah. But like one of those weird ones in yeah. August, but we love it. Yeah. I love it. But so yeah, that, that would mean the Tuesday that conversation gets extended there too. Look, Eric Carlson getting moved to the Pittsburgh Penguins and Kyle Dubas establishing a new core four with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang and Eric Carlson. And they get a few other pieces from Montreal and, and all that. And, and they have to part ways with that first round pick. My first thinking, man, this better work. This better work. You know, the, I, I get that some people are looking at this and they're saying, man, Pittsburgh should, re- should really rebuild. Mm-hmm. And with the pieces that they have, well, you know what? If it doesn't go well, maybe you could start moving off some of those assets. Um, this better work for the franchise and the pieces that they have. Because I, 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 I can't stress this enough. Sidney Crosby just had his birthday. 36 years old. All those guys around that same age. This better work. Those guys are going for it for a cup. And this is, this is the, the exact move you make to double down on those chances. Again, I'm going to say it. I'm going to sound like a broken record. And it's mm. going to be like that way for, for as long as we talk about this topic. Yeah. This better work for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What about the other two teams? How did you see it from a Montreal and a San Jose perspective? The San Jose one for me is the most important part because while Montreal plays an important part in this, and I don't want to dismiss that, this is San Jose really going into rebuild mode, right? Timo Meyer's gone now. Eric Carlson, who we thought might have been moved last season before the trade deadline. It, it, we understand these things. We've got massive contracts. You're in season. These kind of like that many players, that many moving pieces in season. Really hard to do. Absolutely. But this is the second major move that Mike Greer's made in retooling the San Jose Sharks. And I've heard a lot of, they lost the trade, he didn't get enough in return, etc., etc. I don't necessarily see it that way because I, I think they're still in the process of bottoming out. I think any time that you can move a contract of that magnitude in an, in an era. We're still flat cap here, right? We're still the $1 million increment uh, uh, raises in the salary cap. Mm-hmm. I think anytime you can do that and get some sort of asset in return. A couple of years ago, Julian, there was no way you could have traded Eric Carlson. There was no team willing to take him. Now, good on Carlson for improving that, but also good on the San Jose Sharks for, for getting something for a player that was clearly ready to move on and mm-hmm. not willing to be part of a rebuild going forward. Absolutely. I, I give, I, if I were to grade Mike Greer on this, I would give him a passing grade. I would give him like a C or a, or a C, maybe not a C plus. Maybe you could give him a C plus because at the end of the day, you offload Eric Carlson, you get a first round pick from Pittsburgh, which depending on how things go, could be middle of the pack. Yep. Imagine getting a top 15 pick out of that. That that's entirely possible. Exactly, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. And you only retain like what, like thirteen no, percent of Eric Carlson, one point five million or something. Yeah, like, that, like yeah. It, you're not retaining a lot of salary on Eric Carlson. 
And in exchange, you have to take on these bad contracts. But if you're not going anywhere, what's what's the issue about? Like I saw I, I, a colleague of mine on, on Twitter say, yeah, you give this team an F, a failing grade for that. Like, I disagree with that. I, I, I understand with the the type of player and the type of season that he had. You you're if you're a Sharks fan, you're probably thinking, OK, man, like I really want a lot for this player. But that contract and having to retain salary or not wanting to retain a lot of salary, I think that sort of limits your options. So the fact that you were able to get a first-round pick out of it and you were able to only retain a touch of his salary going forward, plus, I mean, Michael Granlin, Mike Hoffman, among some of the pieces going your way, those are, you know, maybe serviceable NHLers. They're not bringing you to the promised land. I don't think that affects any tanking initiative that the San Jose Sharks may want to do. The only, the only, re- the only beef I would have is if like the Sharks have a bad year and then they get like what the third or fourth overall pick in next year's draft, and even then that's on them. Like that's yeah. that's off the ping pong balls. I I like what Mike Greer did in this situation. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, in different forms. And look, Hoffman to me is the most intriguing part because if I'm San Jose, Ooh. I'm like, by the way, here's top six minutes, sit on the power play. And rack up close to twenty goals before the trade deadline, and you're in a contract year too. Contract year, oh yeah. You don't think? Uh, and then look, Granlin and Ruda have been downward trajectory type of players the last couple years, and I, I don't think either one of them is going to bring you back a big return if you're San Jose. But in my mind, you you can move all of those players that you got in that trade in the next year or so for whatever it is, and you're fine for me if you're San Jose. Yep, you're not tied to any of them long term. They're serviceable NHL players with all of them with NHL track records that at some point someone's going to need a defenseman. Yan Ruder's been on a couple of Stanley Cup winners in Tampa Bay. That's an easy one. Granlin's in a step. I mean, Granlin, back in his Minnesota days, yes, it's taken a big turn from that. We're yeah. a long way away from that. We're, we're in, we're in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of league. I and mean, you can say that for so many sporting leagues, but yeah, you can say that with Michael Grant. But I'd be fine if, if they moved on from all of those guys, picked up a couple of picks, maybe a prospect in there that they're, you know, happy with to take a chance on and and go from there as far, you know, you're right. Could they have probably gotten more if they retained more on Eric Carlson? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but I mean, I don't think retaining half was ever in, in Mike Greer's, especially when you're down. Like, imagine going to your owner and having to say, look, we're going to have to keep five and a half million on this guy, and we're going to have one of the worst records in the NHL next yeah. year. That's hard to sell. That's tough. For that ownership, I, I, for, it's my understanding that they were really not keen on on retaining all that much. So I really think if, you, if you're willing to accept the fact that you're only going to have to pay Eric Carlson 1.5 mil for the, for the foreseeable future, you look at that as some kind of minor win. This is one of those rare trades where, at least in my opinion, Everyone comes out with they comes out they come out okay. Yep. They don't come out as like an absolute winner. I don't think either of these teams are going to be veritable Stanley Cup contenders. Again, for Pittsburgh, this better work. This is this is all their chips being put into the t- into the front of the table here. I still don't know if they're better than Carolina and all these other teams. We could have a whole other discussion on that. But I will say that Pittsburgh getting Carlson I do like the deal on the surface in terms of them getting better at the back end and making themselves more offensively potent. I like the deal for San Jose and the fact that they don't have to take keep on too much of Carlson's salary while also getting a first-round pick, mm-hmm. and we we don't know where that pick is going to go. And for Montreal, I like the deal for them in the fact that they get Jeff Petrie back, and <laughs> they could move on from him again. Casey yeah. DeSmith, it, it, it doesn't, I mean, 
there is the issue with the amount of goaltenders they have in that system. Sure. But there's also no guarantee that Casey DeSmith stays either. So they could also stand to benefit by getting more assets in all of this as well. So this there's an opportunity where more where, where two of the three teams could stand to get more off of the assets that they were able to get in this situation. Not to mention for Montreal, at least just looking at their lineup and looking at some of the spots that they free up with Rem Pitlick and Mike Hoffman being gone, that opens up more space for some of those young kids to get in that lineup as well. Remember, they're in a rebuilding phase too. So yeah, I, I think on the surface for those three teams, for sure. Like I, I think everyone kind of comes out of it more or less a winner from varying degrees of it, but Every, I can't. I have a hard time thinking someone came out of it looking bad. Yeah, I don't. I don't see a loser in this. I think Montreal is a, is a big winner. Eric Angles from Sportsnet's been very key on this that that he doesn't think Jeff Petrie's a have by the time the season starts, and that makes sense. Jeff Petrie had expressed wanting to be closer to his family um, when that trade to Pittsburgh happened. So mm-hmm. I, I don't imagine going back to Montreal is high among his priority list. I think. Given the trade protection that he has, I imagine part of the deal was to Kent Hughes and company to say, hey, look, we'd, we'd like to find another destination closer for, for Jeff. And, and I think there, I think there's still a very serviceable player in Jeff Petrie that could find a home for another team, uh, could find a, a good spot on another team before the season starts. And he's got some retained money, so he's a little bit cheaper as well. Yep. Uh, and if you're Montreal, you're right. I don't mind Casey Smith coming in. You've got a second-round pick. Even if you turn Petrie into another second- or a third-round pick, I think you come out of that really well as a third, as the third-team broker in all of this. Oh, yeah. I think if you're Kent Hughes and you're the Montreal Canadiens, a team that's still trying to turn itself into a veritable contender, ways away from that, any opportunity where you're able to accumulate more assets, and I think you're still able to do that with Jeff Petrie, at, especially at his age, I know he's coming on some harder times. The last year in Montreal, particularly, sticks in my brain. He was not good that year, no. but he did have. A, he was okay in in Pittsburgh, and I still think for a cup contending team or someone who wants to make the playoffs, especially on less money, you can off you can send him to that team. He can be in a, maybe in a top four role if you really need him there. Maybe a third pairing role might be better suited for him now. But I think in that middle part of your defense core, that's ideally where you could probably slot a Jeff Petrie at this point in his career. A couple of texts at 960-960. It's the fan feedback line here on Sportsnet Today. It's always open to you if you're listening live. Shoot us a text. You want to know what's going on, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to talk about, hit us up at 960-960. A couple of texts here, Julian, I wanted to read. Yeah. Uh, Mike from Airdrie. San Jose did well in that trade. Flames will be absolutely brutal this year. Do you agree this team has an identity? That kind of goes two different directions. It does. Um, but but I, I do, do like the San fact they did well. I do like the fact that he brought up the Flames and all this because I can't help but think of the Flames and all of this and the fact that, okay, Pittsburgh was able to make this move for Eric Carlson. Uh, who, what other pieces are you looking for out there? You look at the free agent bin, you're thinking, eh. Jake, Especially with Matt Dumba signing this weekend, too. very thin. It's very thin out there, man. Like, I was looking at Cap Friendly's list. You're seeing all these old names from the past. Remember Jake Gardner? <laughs> yes, I do. Remember Jake Gardner? I do our remember team, Jake our Gardner. Team, our team's out here, you know, putting the binoculars up and saying, man, we really need a Jake Gardner on our team. There's another guy I'm thinking of who I wonder, as a result of all of this, is he the next guy to move? And his name is Noah Hannafin, a 26-year-old puck-moving defenseman Salary AAV just under five million dollars. I think that's relatively affordable, but I understand there are only a handful of teams that are only able to afford that contract. But if you're the Calgary Flames and you realize how quiet this offseason has been, and you realize you haven't been able to offload 
you know, I get you don't want to offload every single one of your pending UFAs, but you don't want to enter training camp or, or the regular season with most of them still on your roster, don't you? You don't want no, that. I don't think so. You can, I can understand they want a bit more time to figure out the Elias Lindholm thing. They said, they said that uh, they, they consider him a priority, and I think they want to keep him. Michael Backlund, I can understand if they think, you know what? Let's just see how the season goes. Maybe you offload him at the deadline. I don't know. But Noah Hannafin? He wants to play in the States? A, a defenseman just went? You don't think there are other teams that were in the hunt for Eric Carlson who maybe it's it's not it's, is it not worth giving a phone call to a Buffalo? Oh, I think the domino for sure has it should has, be. has fallen here. And I Absolutely. Think, I think more of it's going to come down. And we're going to kick off hour two, diving into that conversation, diving into your article on The yes. Athletic with that. I'm really looking forward to that because I do think there are Flames consequences here. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, a couple more texts here at 960 going over the massive three-team trade we saw this weekend. I saw Eric Carlson heading to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, this text says it won't work for Pittsburgh. When does an old core ever work? This is a young league. Look at New Jersey, Buffalo, etc. Having your four best players be 30-plus is a recipe for disaster. I have my doubts, too. I really do. The problem is, and Washington's going through this right now, mm-hmm. is you have a guy on your roster. In Pittsburgh, maybe you have three that you're really committed to. That you're really saying, look, you guys have given us everything. I want to go out and make sure that the last few years you have, I don't, this will sound disrespectful, but it's not, isn't what Chicago has. Mm. Right? Yeah. I don't want to have to have that tough conversation with you like, hey, look, we, we, this has run its course. Yeah. We're going to have to move on from you one way or another. It's better for us. It's better for you. Yeah. You're playing boys to men at the end of the road in the yeah, background. That's tough, man. Jonathan Taves probably won't play this year, I don't think. But, I mean, I don't know. Seeing Patrick Kane in another jersey come whenever he's healthy this year, it's going to be weird. I don't think those were fun conversations for Kyle Davidson to have. Uh, I don't think it was a fun trade for him to make with the Rangers going back to last season. But Pittsburgh and Washington are kind of in this weird spot where these guys have done so much for you. They're generational players. They're Hall of Fame players who are still on your roster and want to win. You, you want to go out and do something for them, but it's so hard. You're to have been contenders for as long as these teams are, Julian. It means you've sucked the life out of your farm system. There are no first round picks coming in to to help these guys push for a Stanley Cup. So you got to kind of do what you got to do. And in in Kyle Dubas's case, it's okay, look, I I think I can get a 100-point defenseman on our roster. I think Pittsburgh's better today than they were before they made the trade. So from that front, I have to admit that I think he did a good job, but I I don't disagree with the guy that's texting and saying it's hard to win with an aging core because I think that's just the truth. The, The one Here's my one question about that aging core. If this was... And then maybe an example isn't coming to my mind as, as fast as it should, but there are so many other teams you could think of with aging cores, maybe like a Dallas, for example, Well, sure. they found a way to get younger players around uh, a Jamie Benn or, or Tyler Sagan, who we know for sure has fallen off. This is a Pittsburgh Penguins team that has players that are up there in terms of age in their core, but they're still playing at high levels. Like if Yanny Malkin point per game player last year, 83, 83 points in 82 games, Sidney Crosby just turned 36 years old yesterday. Uh, it was his birthday yesterday. Sidney Crosby is coming off a season where he had 93 points in 82 games. Chris Letang has had health issues uh, battling from a stroke and is still able to play 
at a high enough level. And the fact that you're going to get Eric Carlson out there, like you're going to alleviate some, some pressure and time from him. Uh, 41 points in 64 games. Remember, he did miss time uh, off of that health scare mm-hmm. last season. We'll see what it goes for him. But when you see that, like, two of your, your two best offensive players are still playing at a high enough level, you have to hope that they're still able to keep that going as they v- venture later into their 30s. But they're not the same quality of, of, of player compared to other teams and some of their aging cores. Or we're talking about two of the greatest players Whoever lived, I could give a damn about an NHL 100 list that excluded Evgeny Malkin, <laughs> Sidney Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin. There was a time long ago, and I get we're not, you know, what have you done for me lately? But there yep. was a time when Sidney Crosby was hurt, when Evgeny Malkin put the Penguins on his back, and he played like the best player in the world. These players are still high level, high echelon players, and when they're still playing like that, yes, there's a risk involved, but. Like, what do you do? Like, I, I, I don't, I, under, I completely understand the other side of that argument that says you do double down on the fact that they're still playing at a high level. Like, you, you, you have to go for it. I like their spot a hell of a lot more than I like Washington. Hell yeah, Washington. It's basically a vehicle for Alex Ovechkin to to, to break Gretzky's mark. And who else do they have around it? What Nicholas Backstrom is still kind of hurting. What would you rather do? Make the Carlson trade or sign Tom Wilson to that deal, bro? Eric Carlson. Exactly. I make, I make that trade exactly. every damn day of the week. Because what other options can Washington go out and do? You can re-sign Tom Wilson, or you have to you have to find something like that. Because again, there's no young guys coming up to make the team any better. Tom Wilson, we've seen it. I've seen it in Montreal with Brendan Gallagher, the type of player that he is. You want to throw in the Milan Lucic comparison in there? Sure. Guys who play the type of style that Tom Wilson plays, maybe Josh Anderson kind of fits that too. They're wear and tear. It hurts them. And when you give them that whole set of money, we've seen it before. Like year two, year three in, you're like, oh, God. Even Brendan Gallagher, I think year one of that extension that he got with the Canadians or whatever new contract he got, everyone was like, oh, God. Like like that started to show his age very early. But that's the type of style. That's what you get when you play that type of style. Training for a Eric Carlson who's coming off a Norris Trophy season, who's coming off a 100-point year, who still has it offensively. I make that trade way. I'm way more committed to that trade as opposed to shelling out for Tom Wilson. Absolutely. Uh, A couple more texts before we get out of here. Our pal Matt and Cochran texting in said Montreal did okay. I thought and Pittsburgh paid essentially a first and a second to dump some cap space. And the Sharks threw EK in like it was a buy one, get one deal. Uh, (laughs) This one says Penguins will increase goal totals for the year by 34 goals and an additional 45 goals against now. Hope they can sure keep his minutes below yeah, twenty one per game. That's true. You got you got to um, take you got to take the defense with that. That's yeah. That's, that's the true. interesting one. Mm-hmm. That's uh, you ain't that good defensive. No. And this one says uh, for Julian, would you rather go for it now and have it potentially not work in a stacked East or recoup assets and have sustained success for ten years plus rather than two to three year tops with no guarantees in a tough conference? And that goes back to the the conversation we had about. On paper, it's easy to say recoup your assets and go back. It's harder to go to Sid and Chris and Evgeny and have that same conversation because you you owe them a lot. Yeah, even I, if you're Kyle Dubas, who's just got there, if ownership says, "Look, we're 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 doing right by these guys." Yeah, it does. It's so rare in in sports now to see guys and start their career in one franchise and end it with that same franchise. And if there are guys who or have earned that opportunity to do so, it's Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, and Evgeny Malkin. And 
I don't know. I, I, I see where you're getting at, too, the fact that, like, having to go to those guys and be like, hey, man, you know what? We are in the business of trying to recoup assets and, and start all over again with this franchise. You know, thanks uh, for all that you've done. We're sending you to Minnesota in exchange for these pieces. Uh, I, I, there's that's I, that's there's a business side to it. And that's that's a little bit more than business. He is Julian McKenzie. He's along with us this week here on Sportsnet today. Very happy to have uh, the Calgary Flames reporter for The Athletic joining us here on Sportsnet today. We're also joined by outstanding producers Cam and Taylor. They'll be around for the week as well. We'll continue the Pittsburgh Penguins conversation going forward. Rob Rossi is going to join us from The Athletic around the corner. Has this changed the outlook on the season coming up for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Has this deal taken them from mid-tier team to playoff contender? How do we grade out what Kyle Dubas has managed to do as the Penguins GM, president, and pretty much everything else for that organization since he came over. We'll ask Rob Rossi those questions next. It's Julian McKenzie, Logan Gordon along with you. Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Back to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour one is rolling on here on Sportsnet Today. Yes, Logan Gordon, Julian McKenzie. We're hanging out with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Here in Calgary, Alberta, kicking off the hour, breaking down that three-team trade from the weekend. Penguins get Eric Carlson. Sharks rebuild continues, and the Habs, at least in our opinion, work out pretty well as a uh, third-team mediator in all of this. We'll talk more about that trade, maybe what it means for the Calgary Flames coming up a little bit later on in hour two. But right now, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. And checking on a Pittsburgh Penguins perspective on this. Big trade from Kyle Dubas. It's been a big offseason for them. Help us uh, chat all things Penguins. We welcome in Rob Rossi from The Athletic. Rob, thanks for the time today, man. How are you? Pretty good, bud. How are you? We're doing good. Uh, thanks for hopping on today. Really appreciate it. I know it's been a busy couple days for you guys uh, out in Pittsburgh. What's the reaction been like from uh, this big move from Kyle Davidson to bring Eric Carlson in? Well, I'll tell you this. It's it's gone so, gotten so ridiculous that Carlson was supposed to talk to the media today and do the whole put the jersey on thing uh, this morning. Uh, some things kind of got switched around just because, you know, those things tend to happen when a trade like this happens in terms of, um, you know, particulars. And everybody completely jumped to, jumped off the conclusions that, like, something was wrong I, to the <laughs> oh, point no. that I had to tweet out, like, calm down, people, like, these things do change. Like, there's a lot going on for Eric Carlson right now. Uh, he just, you know, he's he's a he's a sw- he's a Swedish player with a Canadian passport that has to get a work visa for Pittsburgh. Like, this is a there's a lot to there's a lot to go on here. So, but no, they're really excited. Um, I think the safest way to say it is, uh, you know, I've covered every year of the Crosby era here. Last year was the first one that because of the chaos, but also they, they kind of felt stale. Um, they're not stale anymore. Dubas has come in here and reinvigorated this fan base um, by, by, you know, whether he made it a championship roster or not, he made it better. My, my question with regards to that trade happening, or at least the way I look at it is you have these players. Uh, first off, high double R is always a great time to talk to the Pittsburgh legend. That <laughs> is too, but um 
you have Sidney Crosby playing at a high level. He got 93 points last year. If Getty Malkin playing at a point-per-game pace, even if you go back to those last few playoff years where they're done in the first round, those are good teams. It's just that goaltending kind of lets them down in those opening rounds. At least from my vantage point, if you have those high-end players, as old as they are, playing at a high level, how do you not make a trade like acquire Eric Carlson? How do you feel about the situation that Kyle Dubas is in with regards to trying to make this team better when maybe some other people would look at the core in front of them and say, hey, maybe now's the time to rebuild? Well, I think the time to rebound, um, my friend, was two or three years ago, to be candid. I mean, um, they, I think probably during the pandemic or maybe even before that, when you could have traded Malkin or Latang and, and, you know, got something significant in return, you're not going to get something significant in return anymore for guys that are, no matter how well they're playing, that are in their, you know, late 30s. Now, that said, those are still three great players. Are they at the level that they were at their peak? No. But they're 90% of it at the, at the bare minimum. Um, and you're right. The Penguins' problem has been goaltending, and all of the moves Kyle Dupas has made, and, oh, by the way, He's deftly remade the bottom six in Pittsburgh. Oh, he did. From a standpoint of, of, yeah, and I mean, I think people are overlooking that. They have a, they have a lot of guys that I call sort of bottom twelve now. Like they have a, they have a bottom six, but they also have like a sort of depth with six other guys that could could fill in in case of injury in those roles. Um, and they're going to be a more defensive-minded bottom six. They're going to they're going to have the puck a lot. Uh, how do you not go out and try to take a big swing? Don't you owe it to Crosby, Malkin, and Latang? Aren't you better suited now to take a big swing and try maybe to this year or next year get another run than to just, you know, start early the inevitable that is that is going to be the rebuilding of the Penguins? Um, and Carlson fits them perfectly. He's not, as I wrote, he's not – necessarily the defenseman that everybody would say is, is the best defenseman, even though he won the Norris trophy, he's not every general manager's cup of tea, but for this team, which wants to play with puck possession and wants to win with skill, who, who is better? And, you know, I'll just say this too. The dynamic in Pittsburgh has been for almost 20 years now, we have Crosby and Malkin, and you don't. We have two all-time number one centers, which automatically makes our top six formidable, if not better than yours, because we have those two guys, and they don't have to play together. Well, what's the dynamic now going to be on their top four in the back end? They have Chris Letang. They have Eric Carlson. And there aren't many teams that can put Eric Carlson on the second pairing and let him just go. Couldn't have said it better myself. I'll, I'll let Logo go on that one, but I just want to say it. You couldn't have said my point better. Wow. Uh, Rob, how much better in your mind is the team compared to where they were before this deal was made? Well, you know, it's a great question. I mean, I think considerably better. I think people don't realize, if you look at the Penguins record after January 1st, um, they, they were one of the 10 worst teams in hockey. I mean, they, they were just done. I mean, they – and that was with Crosby and Malkin playing every game and playing at a really high level. They were one of the ten worst teams in hockey. It was a – it was a unforgivable sin against every hockey fan, whether you're a Penguins fan or not, 
that the previous regime, as it did, wasted a season like it got from those two players at age 36 and 35 at the time. Now they've got Eric Carlson, who who ultimately also is insurance against an injury to Crosby or Balkan or any other offensive player, not, not because he would replace that player directly, but Eric Carlson is a singular offensive producer from the back end. It doesn't matter where the, the lost point production would come from. It only matters that it would come, and Carlson produces points. I think they're a lot better. I think they are a potential top four team in the Eastern Conference if everything goes right. And I could see them getting into the playoffs and making a run. I've stopped ever thinking about the playoffs as any one team's, you know, destiny or whatever you want to say, because I've just seen too many postseasons now where a team we weren't paying attention to makes a long run. It wasn't just the Florida Panthers. It's happened quite often over the last decade. So I think they could be one of those teams if everything goes right. Double R, what if this doesn't go right? Well, then uh, hopefully a lot of people read The Athletic about the fall down. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of subs and traffic coming your way if that happens. Yeah. All news is good news for The Athletic, right, guys? Right? That's what we say. Uh, Julian, as as I've always said, maybe even to you, I don't care if they win or lose as long as they got people's attention. You know what um, I'm saying? Uh, Trust me. I, I read yeah, you. I yeah. get it. Yeah, it's business. It's business, man. Um, if it doesn't go right, then they took a swing, and, you know, I think they have to, uh, you know, they have to sort of – I think if it doesn't go right, and I don't mean this season. I mean, if after the next two seasons it just isn't working, Crosby's going to resign. But I think you would have to tell Sid, look um, – we owe it to you to tell you that we, you know, we're rebuilding now. And if he doesn't want to be part of that, let him leave. And if that would happen, I think you'd, you'd be obligated to go to Malkin and Latang and say, look, this, we're, we're rebuilding. We want to rebuild with you guys in it. But if you don't want to be part of that, we understand you're always going to be all time guys. And, you know, we'll do what we can to move you to, to where someone who could use a player like you that's in contention. So, but I think they gave themselves a two-year window for that. And I think that's, I think they, they owed it to those three. And I think that's reasonable too. You take two more years to try this. And then after that, if it works, Hey, a rebuild's easier, right? And if it doesn't, a rebuild's necessary, but at least for the next two seasons, I think the Penguins, that's their window to sort of show if any of this will pay off. Rob Rossi's along with us on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon covering all things Pittsburgh Penguins for the Athletic. Uh, Rob, we talked a lot about that core there, but Julian said something earlier that I, I think is going to be a big storyline in Pittsburgh going forward. How much pressure does this put now on a guy like Tristan Jari going forward for him to perform at a level that supports his peers adequately? All of it. All of the pressure is on Tristan Jari. He plays the most important position. They gave him a five-year contract, which he wanted. He, has, he, had a, he had a very subpar last season. He has been a very good goaltender in this league at times, but he has a two-and-six playoff record, and he wasn't very good in the two, to be perfectly honest. And he was really bad in three of the six. Um, I think he has the talent to be a top-ten goaltender consistently. But he has to now. And I will, I, will, I will also add this. 
the great Eddie Johnston, former Penguins um, general manager and coach, you, you know, we sort of call him the, uh, the godfather of the Penguins around here. Um, he, 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 who was a former NHL goaltender, said, the way to play goal in Pittsburgh is to stop caring about your stats. The Penguins have a brand. They have a style. It's in their DNA. They want to push things. They want to be aggressive. The goaltender can't worry about anything that he gives up. He has to just focus on making that next save. Your numbers probably aren't going to be very good. Tom Barrasso did not have great career numbers in Pittsburgh. He got two Stanley Cup rings. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury did not have great career numbers in Pittsburgh. He was part of three Stanley Cup teams and a big part of two of them as the starting goalie um, uh, and a guy who played most of the games in their other playoff run. So I think you have to take that approach if you're Tristan Jari. Now, to me, that's a little bit easier because all you have to worry about is winning. You don't have to worry about all this other stuff, and now you've got the five-year contract as security. But he has to prove it, and they are screwed if they bet wrong because there's nothing they can do. So with Tristan in those, those, those playoff games, why didn't it work for him in those runs? Is it, was it a health thing? Was it a mental thing? Like, why wasn't Tristan Jari able to play at the potential that you feel that he can, he can play as, as the Penguins goaltender? Well, it's interesting. And it's a fascinating question because while he doesn't have the playoff success, he only, he also only has, I think eight starts. Uh, he played in their elimination game in the five-game series in the bubble in Toronto. And then he played a – well, not, yeah, nine starts, excuse me. He, 2021, he just, you know, soiled all over the bed against the Islanders. And then he played on a bro- broken foot in game seven against the Rangers a couple years ago, but he missed otherwise that series. Um, I think part of it's been health. I think part of it at the time, he was a young goalie still feeling it out. I don't think he was ready from a maturity to his game in 2021 when they outplayed the Rangers by every statistical measure, but still lost the series or excuse me, the Islanders in 2021. But, you know, I, I, it's hard to say that he can't do it, but you know, you know, Julian, we've, We've always said this, I think, in hockey circles, and I think you guys will agree with me. You know, there's a real fine line between proving it and not. And, and, and Jari's been on the opposite of that line. It's just little, little things, you know, not high enough in his crease, not square to the shooter, the wrong decision to play a puck when he shouldn't. When you do those things in the playoffs, they get magnified. You do those things in the regular season – all right, there's another game to play in probably in two days. In the playoffs, they shift the series. That's what he has to get correct. Uh, Rob, what's the timeline like for uh, for Jake Gensel at this point? I know the Penguins provided a bit of an update on him recently. Yeah, I actually think that was the bigger news in a way because we were all thinking like, man, ankle surgery and, you know, he's, he's going to be reevaluated after 12 weeks. I mean, I had people tell me, you know, and people that I trust are like, hey, it might be December before he gets back into a game. And then Kyle Dubas comes out yesterday and says, ah, about five games. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> uh, that's kind of newsworthy. Um, all right, hey, okay. okay, Kyle, why not? Let's have everything go your way this summer. Yeah, um, yeah um, they say he'll be playing. It, it looks like he'll be playing, if not in October, by, by at least November, barring anything of a setback. Um, you know, I, I suppose there could always be – 
you know, players that have injuries to foot or ankle that require surgery are always prone to infection because part of their training comes back. You know, you, you got a scar that's, um, you know, prone to be infected. But other than that, it looks like he's going to be back and you got to figure they're going to get the best of Jake Gensel this year because he's on a contract year and that's a guy that could be looking at next summer being a potential uh, 30-year-old, you know, five-time 30-goal scorer and two-time 40-goal scorer at least. I mean, he's been one of the most productive left-wingers in the game, and it's not just because he plays with Sidney Crosby. He's done that with Evgeny Malkin. I mean, he, if you have a great center, you can put him with Jake Ensel, and Jake Ensel's going to put up points. He's going to be back sooner than later. I, like I said, I tell you what, guys, Penguins going to be fascinating from this season. They're going to they're going to lose ten games, like seven to two. <laughs> and they're probably going to win. They're probably going to win fifteen, like six to four. But there's not going to be a lot of boring into their game. Yeah. Like they're just going to be like, "Hey, let's go for it." And I like that. I, I as the league goes to more bigger and more systematic teams, I like if you have an Edmonton or a Pittsburgh that's just like, ah, you know, let's let's see if we can play some pond hockey here and make it work. Oh man, that's going to be fun for you. I got one more for you, Double R. Um, okay, Kyle Dubas. President of Hockey Ops eventually decided, you know what? I'm just going to be the GM. How surprised? Well, I was not surprised. How? What, what was your reaction when you heard that Kyle Dubas just said, you know what? In terms of front office duties, I got this from here. I'm taking over everything. We don't need a GM below me. I'm going to do this. I had three words for everybody. Told you so. Because <laughs> I think I yes. Was hired. I, I, I told everybody the day was hired. Look, they didn't give this guy a seven-year contract. They didn't just commit $5 million a year annually to him. They didn't give him use of the private jet for him to go hire a GM and work with. They brought him in to run the show. Um, it, it was no surprise to me. And, and, look, Kyle hasn't said this to me, but I've always felt, and I don't know everything that happened in Toronto. I've, I know what everybody else has read and heard, right? But it never struck me as logical to think Kyle Dubas, as president of hockey operations, that has full autonomy – would want to hire a GM who may be put in the position that he was in in Toronto where it's like, you're the GM, but the final say is kind of a group discussion and you don't have the final say on it. I didn't think he wanted to do that to anybody. I think he will continue to build out a staff, um, but I think he's going to bring in, you know, maybe at some point they'll have multiple assistant general managers and maybe even an associate GM, but for the foreseeable future, he's going to handle both roles. And I can tell you that. The feedback I get from inside the organization is from the business side of things, he is so structured and so detailed and so on point with forming a plan and trying to execute it. I don't know why you'd want another general manager. You Sometimes you have too many cooks in the room. Rob, certainly appreciate the time today. Thank you for hopping on. It was great stuff. Great to chat with you again. We always appreciate your time up here in Calgary. I know Julian was excited for this. and oh, I was uh, very amped. <laughs> I was very amped, Double R. <laughs> he was stoked. We had, uh, we're uh, out of time How's with the you today. How's weather in though? Calgary, guys? What? Is the weather nice there? It's all right. Pretty nice good. Yeah. It's okay. It's all, all right. right. So, so after the show, you should have Julian go out and buy you a drink. That's what I think. <laughs> I couldn't think of a better way to do that, Rob. Oh man, you got me put you putting me to work, double R. <laughs> have to do something. Rob, uh best of uh have a great summer, rest of the summer. We'll chat with you again once hockey season rolls around, man. All right, guys. Hang in there and have a great rest of the summer yourselves. Thanks very much. Rob Rossi joining us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline covering all things Pittsburgh Penguins. 
for The Athletic. And uh, it's great stuff there from Rob. What do you like to drink? Um, It's hard to say no to anything, really. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a problem, but I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if I like that answer. <laughs> don't tell my doctor, but I mean, yeah. Oh, I mean, my gosh. It's, I don't know. Whatever. It's uh, yeah, we'll, 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 happy hour works for whatever. Yeah, we'll, uh, what, 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 one, of the, one of the days uh, post-show, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll treat you to a drink on, uh, on behalf of uh, Robert Rossi. That sounds like a great plan. Uh, he is Julian McKenzie. I'm Logan Gordon. This is Sportsnet Today 960. We're wrapping up hour one on the other side. Fallout from the Penguins have Sharks trade. What could it mean for the Calgary Flames? Well, the guy across from me just happened to write about that and more up on The Athletics. So we'll dive into it around the corner. It's hour two coming up next. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.